Welcome everybody from around the world. I want to welcome everyone to Commentaries from the Edge. I'm so pleased uh, to tell you what's coming up next, which is a return guest, Nancy Harris, Executive Director of Los Angeles, California Faith Foster Families Network and commonly known as 3FN. And for everyone to be aware of what this month is, the month of May, it is the Foster Care Awareness Month. And I want everyone to know that uh, at the end of our conversation today, Nancy will be talking about how to get involved in the network and how to make a donation. So. Welcome, Nancy. I'm so pleased and honored that you've returned to the program. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It is my pleasure. And again, thank you for lifting up this very important topic. And so kudos to you on the edge. <laughs> thank you so much. So what you were mentioning, um, this topic that we're going to be talking about today and what we're focusing on as a continuation of our discussion about foster youth and the foster care system in particular, because people seem to be understanding that systems are extremely important in how they affect all of us and the individuals in them. And maybe just to recap, if you, you know, just to give context before we actually get into the nitty gritty here is a little bit, just to define what is a foster care system? Okay, so Briefly. thank you once again. Okay, so um, a child welfare system, which by the way, uh, Los Angeles County has the largest child welfare um, system in the nation. There are currently over 35,000 uh, kids and families that are impacted by the child welfare system. So part of the child, uh, I'm sorry, 35,000 uh, kids that are part of the uh, foster care system, which is, of course, a part of the child welfare system. Uh, foster care is one component of the child welfare system, uh, and it is the one component that uh, gets the most eyes and the most scrutiny uh, because it involves uh, removing children from their permanent uh, family homes. Right. It involves in removing them and placing them in what is called a foster family. That is potentially. So, so children can be removed and placed with other family which we call kinship care, uh, or they can be placed with a family that has been trained and uh, is has the uh, housing availability and the bandwidth to increase their family and open up their family home to another young person. And so it's not, it's care is not only in a foster home, it can be with a family member also too in a foster care environment. environment. It can also be 
in a group home, uh, what we what we used to know as group homes also too, where it's a number of children that live in a facility or a home uh, together. So the common thread that we're talking about today uh, are those young people who find themselves for a variety of different reasons, not living with, kin, you know, their own kin, not, uh, not living with their parents, but in a foster situation of one kind or another. Yes. And sometimes, in fact, have had a history of being moved uh, for various reasons, also from one family to another. Yes. Or sometimes um, coming into the system instead of as a child, sometimes they come into the foster system as a teenager. Yes. And so what we're really focusing on today is here we have these young people in this foster system, and now they are approaching an age where they are not eligible to be in the foster system. So maybe you can describe a little what that means when they're as they're approaching that, and what what age is it? Because I think that age changes. Yes, it it does. So um, young people, children, and what have you can remain in foster care up until age 18. But as of uh, 2010, uh, and the law went into effect in 2012, it's uh, called AB 12. And that allows uh, kids to remain in foster care uh, until they're at age 21. So they can remain in foster care uh, and receive benefits up until they are 21 years old. Now, they don't necessarily live with their foster parents. They can live uh, wherever they want to live. They get some financial uh, backing. There are um, criteria, of course, that are uh, that go with that financial backing, but they can live uh, in other places also, too. They don't uh, necessarily stay with their foster family. Um, and so which is uh, so that's a good thing. Kids, you know, because you think age 18, what is going to you know, what what does one know really at age 18 uh, to be um out on your own and trying to make your way, especially here in Los Angeles, in, in Los Angeles County. It is expensive, as we know, and it's uh, just challenging to, to find yourself uh, on your own at age 18. Um, so luckily, they can extend that uh, to age 21, and hopefully that gives them a better footing uh, to be able to be self-sufficient going forward. That, that's the ideal. That is the ideal that you're mentioning. Yes. And, and at times, though, I guess when we look at the reality, it's that many times these young people, um, between that age, eighteen and twenty-one, often don't have the kind of support that they need to to launch themselves, you know, into uh, some type of productive adult life and I think that's that's really here in Los Angeles County one of the reasons we want to really look at this issue is because it's come to light 
that, of course, many people hear that we have a, a terrible homeless situation here of so many people that are now, you know, what we call unhoused and are living on the yes. streets or in parks. Yes. And there is a percentage of that population who are former foster youth. Absolutely. They basically, you know, are released from the foster system and take a dive to nowhere. So I think that's where, you know, one of the reasons I would imagine that Faith Foster Families Network was created. Uh, and I know you have a, personally a lot of experience with working with those young people. So that really brings me to the question of, you know, how you see the role of 3FN dealing with this particular population, which may have multiple needs. So the population definitely has multiple needs, and um, it, it's a very uh, interesting situation. I'll, I'll give you an example. One, two, two young people that we uh, were in contact with and were supporting uh, last year in 2020, they graduated from high school. Both of them were on their way to college. One young person was going to UC Berkeley. The other one was going to Grand Canyon. And after living many years, basically all of their childhood, pretty much in a foster home, once they turned 18, their foster family was not open to having them still remain in the home as that being their home base. So, you know, it... it, it it's, you know, obviously that broke our hearts and that's very heart wrenching, but this happens. And so, um, you know, a child now finds him, he or she, her, he, himself or herself now with the only base that they really knew is now being um, upended and they don't have that resource. That's why it is so important for this particular population to have support and safety nets around. And that's why um, the Faith Foster Families Network uh, is uh, a strong proponent of young people that are aging out of the system. And what we do best, Karen, is that we partner with organizations that specifically uh, focus on that population and support those organizations and support the youth that are uh, associated with those organizations. Now, one example um, that we are going to be uh, undertaking, in fact, we're in the process of undertaking as we speak, that is a mentor program. So we have partnered with two other uh, South Los Angeles organizations and we are creating a mentor program that will mentor transition age youth, those 18, actually 18 is as old as 24. Um, and then we're also going to be uh, mentoring, our mentors will be mentoring uh, high school uh, youth as well. And so for that population, uh, one of the things that uh, we feel is strong is that the kids know, the young people, I should call them, know that they have these support systems out here, these safety nets and these support systems uh, that have their best interests in mind and people that are really concerned about their success and that are willing to support them 
uh, in whatever endeavors they uh, would like to do. Um, having that safety net, I personally can't imagine not having a safety net. I was blessed. I was born into a family, was not perfect, let me add, <laughs> but um, it was a family that believed in their children and wanted the best for their children and did everything they could to provide that. And then, so we were, got the benefit of that associated network. And so again, we want to provide a network of support so that these kids can be supported and learn about life and learn about, you know, job movements and interacting with your managers and just interacting and, and negotiating with people. And so that's what we intend to do. And we intend to provide mentors um, for them as long as they want mentors. And then that helps them establish their interpersonal skills as well. Well, this is, yeah, this is such a great need that, that the Faith Families Network is providing. And I think um, maybe just to fill out the picture a little for our listeners is, is uh, to describe a little bit about what, who is in this network and, uh, and, you know, how you are generally working. Okay. So the Faith Foster Families Network, as you can uh, see, your listeners can hear at least, faith is in our name. So we are a faith-rooted uh, network that's mission is to sustain a faith collaborative that provides resources, uh, safety, and well-being for children and families impacted by the child welfare system. And so we have six members that are a combination of churches and faith-based, faith-rooted, faith-based organizations that have come together to collectively put together our resources and programs uh, in a loving, uh, compassionate, uh, people and spirit-centered uh, organization to provide supports and safety nets, again, for those children and families in the foster care system. So uh, not only are the young people uh, getting a support system that provides direct services uh, to them, but they also get a faith community. Uh, if they want that, of course, you, as you can well imagine, we, we are not forcing anybody to be in church or to be, you know, a, a certain way, but that is an additional support system for them. And as many of your listeners probably know, and Karen, you know, too, the faith community can be of great assistance and great support. Uh, to people and families that need support in whatever areas they may need it. Yes, well, that's that's why, you know, I always think of the network as a model for uh, how to gather people together to use their resources in the most effective way to address various different challenges and problems in our communities. So I really think, you know, it's it's a model for other cities in the United States, because this issue is not just unique to Los Angeles. And I, I think uh, it's important also to know what are the dem what's the demographics of the young people we're talking about, who you're going to be mentoring and who are uh, in need of so much of these kind of services. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, so this is interesting. The demographic uh, is, um, well, from a, from first of all, from the ethnic and racial uh, perspective, uh, the majority, when I say the majority, uh, it, well over 75% of the foster care system uh, is uh, African-American and Latino. So the, the foster care system primarily is African-American and Latino. Um, the, one of the most disturbing statistics is that if a young person is uh, African-American, male, and uh, is in the foster care system and has not found a permanent home, meaning they haven't reunited back with their biological family or have not been adopted, they will stay in foster care. The likelihood of them being adopted is uh, minimal. And so that's a heartbreaking statistic. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult for our African-American males. Um, and so it is uh, challenging all the way around uh, for our young people. Um, it is, um, they, kids are that age group, uh, transition age youth is what we also call them, Tays. Our transition age youth are more susceptible to being homeless, as you already mentioned, um, susceptible to going into sex trafficking, uh, much more um, susceptible to going into the uh, criminal justice system. So this population is one of our most vulnerable populations. And um, that's why it's important that our community is educated on these statistics and knows that they need support. And I will say this also too, one of the, um, the Faith Foster Families Network in the past has done um, sessions, uh, information sessions where we uh, have panel uh, discussions afterwards that involve, you know, foster youth and sometimes foster parents. And one of the things many of the foster, former, former foster youth have mentioned to us is that if they could have, if they could have a do-over, <laughs> uh, one of the things that they would ask for, uh, and that would be, and be more receptive to, is a stable adult role model. And so I want your listeners to know that we as adults have an obligation to our young people to step up for them. Uh, now, I know mentorship and what have you and being a foster parent and all that may not be for everyone. But if you have a heart for that, there is a huge need for that. And we just know as people and especially as people of faith that people need people. And um, when someone has someone in their life that they know is concerned about their future, has a genuine interest in them as human beings to see that they're successful, that changes the game, Karen. It changes the game completely. And it prevents um, many of the dreadful statistics we know. Yes, and, and I think also what you're talking about is really um, rescuing, rescuing lives, you know, saving lives. Yes. 
Yeah. Some yes. of these young people also, you, you mentioned so many, you ticked off so many of the uh, areas in which they're in jeopardy. And another one is, you know, in gang, in some type of gang membership and gang violence and some, because that feeling of wanting to be part of something, to belong yes. to something. And, and so I think, you know, since we're looking at really across the United States, we're looking at a lot of systems right now. Certainly yep. the issue of racism uh, is front and center, which in some ways contributes to uh, how many of the young people of color are in the foster system, right? Yes. Oh, I yes. Call- all oh, yes. interconnected. Uh, but I think also, you know, since we're looking at systems, the education system, the police system, you were mentioning about young people and when they have a chance to say, you know, to do a, a, a do-over, how, what do you hear and what do you think from, from the experience you're having right in the center of things? What do you think needs to change in terms of our foster system that would particularly, um, you know, focus on supporting these young people at such a critical point in their life? So preparation, as one of my colleagues um, mentioned, age and time is their enemy. So if a young person is in foster care, age and time is their enemy, because at some point they're going to come of age And there is going to be a time limit where they are going to be forced to try to fend for themselves. So um, one of the things that is uh, important is that we look at a more community-based therapy approach. Um, We have, especially mental health. If you are someone that has been exposed to being taken away from your family, whether rightfully or not, because um, there's arguments in many cases that kids are removed, not necessarily because they're in some kind of danger, but that, um, you know, the poverty uh, gives uh, the illusion that a parent is neglectful. So there's many reasons and and some of them are good reasons. But my point is the minute you take a child away from their home, uh, good or bad, uh, it produces trauma on the child. You are now ripping the child away from what they uh, already know. And so, and what they're comfortable and familiar with. Then you potentially throw them in a system that may see them going from home to home. I mean, we've, we've talked to many young people and, ha- and serviced many young people that have been in 10, 12, you know, 20 different homes, you know, by the time they're 18. Um, it is a destabilizing factor. Uh, they cannot make the necessary contacts they need to make to be successful. And so the community needs to know that there needs to be healing. There, they, these, this population is going to have some struggles as it relates to mental health, um, and we need to be prepared for that. So there needs to be more community-based uh, therapy. Uh, in terms of the foster care system itself, um, as I said, more, more um, 
focus on evaluating why you're removing a child from the home and making sure that it is not just because, you know, um, they are living in poverty. I mean, you know, a parent may be, you know, has, has to work 18 hours a day to provide a shelter. So the parent may not be at home. Um, you know, technically that would be considered neglect, but you have to consider the poverty issues around that and, and, and say to yourself, what kind of services can you provide that family? Mm-hmm. The parent exactly. That can support them in that so that they can perhaps be with their children more instead of, you know, out there trying to, you know, pay, pay the rent and put, put some kind of food on the table. So, you know, looking at those issues, and really um, strengthening uh, what we call kinship care is making, trying harder to find immediate uh, and, and maybe not immediate family members that are willing to care for the young person and, and at least bring them into a family environment. Again, if, you know, all, all of this has to be, you know, go through a formal uh, process, uh, including family, but uh, again, there it is um the feeling is is that you know that's the number one thing that you try first is to find family is to find kin that the family um for the child young person for them to stay in and and lastly again as we've been talking about uh to be available to young people be you know Call us up, Faith Foster Families Network, um, many other organizations that you can literally just Google um, and and look at organizations that you can become involved with where you can make a presence and let your presence be known for a young person that is about to enter the world and may not be entering the world with all the necessary skill sets that they need. So I know that was a lot, but... No, that's, that's, you know, you could, you could say a lot more. It's so important. And I think I just had a vision when you were talking about it, imagining that, you know, if the vast majority of people in every community decided, well, that's the campaign. We're each going to volunteer to do something to support a young person's life. Right. Um, that would be transformational in terms of the kind of communities we live in. And, you know, it's well known that people need at least one person, one inspirational person in their life uh, to make them have hope for the future, to make them feel like they have a future. Right. Which which, uh, we know, we know um, from the work both you and I have done that there are young people that can't see a future for themselves. Correct. Sometimes that's, that's what they need most of all to believe in themselves and to have someone believe in them. So uh, I compliment you for and for your entire network for what you're doing and for the advocacy, because I think uh, the work that you're doing will begin to change the foster system. Yes, yes. And so, Karen, I I do appreciate, uh, so appreciate uh, being Uh, with you on this podcast. I want to just throw in just a couple of more statistics um, before we conclude. Um, And I want to let folks know that over 50% 
of young people that are exiting the foster system are unemployed uh, once they exit. There's a high unemployment rate. Um, kids in foster care, le- less than 45% um, graduate from high school. Uh, only 3% earn a college degree. And 25% of foster youth uh, are incarcerated. I did speak a little bit on that within two years of them exiting the system. So um, it, it's, it's so important that we're there to provide uh, these safety nets and that the young people know that, that we're here. The last alarming statistic uh, is just a general statistic about the child welfare system and the foster care system. And I just learned this recently, um, Karen, but over 60%, I believe the number might be 68, but I'll, but I'll say over 60% of the California prison system the inmates, over 60% of the inmates have had some contact with the child welfare system at one point in time, over 60%. Which is just just incredible considering, uh, you know, that we're a nation with the largest population of incarcerated people. Right. In and that we're the richest men. nation in the world. And that, yes. And I think that gets back to what you were saying about, you know, it seems in some ways in so many discussions right now about the changes needed in our society at large, a lot of the roads lead to mental health. Yes. And, and financing mental health, making mental health more available to more people. And well, we can, we can hope and feel optimistic that at least this conversation will lead to some changes to make really life better for all of us in all of our communities. Well, that is my hope and my prayer. And again, I am so glad that you are doing what you do to shine a light uh, on this very, very important issue. And this is so timely because it is Foster Care Awareness Month. Um, I'm so glad you invited me back. So thank you and kudos to you, Karen. Thank you, Nancy, for taking the time. I mean, all the issues that you're talking about are extremely demanding, very labor intensive. And so your time is precious. And I appreciate you giving time to this conversation. And I want to just invite you to please um, give our listeners the specifics of how they might contact you to get involved and where they might uh, make a donation if they would like to support it in a financial way. And I certainly will be putting that uh, in the podcast description. That sounds good. Well, first of all, you can reach us on uh, social media via Instagram and uh, Facebook at Faith Foster Families. Um, You can also reach us via phone, the old fashioned way at 323-531-7900. And of course, in order to donate and find out additional information, you can go to our website, which is faithfosterfamiliesplural.org. So I, again, thank you once again and encourage your listeners to uh, get involved and be active. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, onward and upward. 
Thank, Thank you. So much for your time. Thank you. Bye bye.